Well, good morning again. For those of you that missed it, we had a good turnout for movie night, and it was a good movie. We had lots of food and junk food. I don't know, is popcorn considered junk food? I think it is. Leave it to Billy. <laughs> All right. Well, God is good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Now, I started this message, uh, Depend on Jesus. And as I was praying about it and, and, and going through it and putting things down in the message, I realized it was like a 40, 45 minute long message, so I decided to split it in half. I had a uh, homiletics professor, that's, that's the guys that teach you how to preach, or, or give you pointers. He once said, people's brains can only endure so long as their rear ends can endure. So... If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John. We're back there. And we're going to be in John chapter 6, verse 15. As you do that, i got a little story for you. There was an atheist tourist, and he was walking around Belfast. And he noticed all the community center events for either the Catholics or the Protestants. And after checking out yet another board, he asked a staff member, he said, What do you do in this town if you're an atheist? Well, she said, sir, that depends. Depends on what? On whether you're a Catholic atheist or a Protestant atheist. So, <clears throat> the Gospel of John was written between 90 AD and 100 AD. It's believed that John wrote the three epistles in the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote this Gospel. The Gospel of John was written after the other Gospels, and it was written in a spiritual sense, and it's considered the most spiritual of the Gospels. John chapter 6, verse 15. Now, we're going to go through quite a bit of text here, but we're not going to camp there, meaning that this is the entirety of the text, um, but we're not going to look at all of the text today. Again, this has been split. So John chapter 6, verse 15 and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. And that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. And soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough, and they had rowed three or four miles when suddenly... They saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat, and they were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. And then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Imagine that, immediately they arrived at their destination. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. And several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. 
They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Now he had just fed 5,000 people, but... Anyway, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, and not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise him up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I am come down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. Then at the last day, I will raise them up. And as it is written in Scripture, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I, who was sent from God, have seen Him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate men in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. And then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. And he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Let's pray. Lord, this is a large text, but it all goes together. And so, Father, as we come to your text, we ask that, number one, 
you would forgive us of our sins, that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, number two, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word, that we may understand, that we may live by it, that we may have eternal life. Lord, I pray again for those that are not here and those that are being called here. Lord, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bring in the workers from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We pray for any empty seats near us. And we ask, Lord, that you would fill them because you are God. Lord, we want to do your work your way. We may not always understand your way. And we may not always understand what we see, but we know that you are God. And you will have your way. So forgive us where we've missed it. And thank you, Lord, that you will guide us. In Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. Amen. Now you can depend on Jesus as your source for all things good. Did you know that? You can depend on Jesus as your source for all things good. Let's look at uh, verse 22. Yes, we skipped a little bit, but we're going to start at 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. And so when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, where did you get, how did you get here, or when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. By the way, believe there is an ongoing term. That's not just in the past. It's an ongoing term. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those in the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those that he has given me but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who sees his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So here we are. He's, we've come from the feeding of the 5,000. Actually, it was more because they only counted the men. And so we come from at least 10,000 people where he's fed them, where he's blessed the 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 
the bread and the fish. And everybody ate until they were full. And so the next day, the people found out that the disciples had taken the only boat and that Jesus was not with them when they left. But now he isn't on the shore with the crowd either. And then someone, some people with boats came and, and ferried a great number to the other side. And lo and behold, they find Jesus and the disciples on the other shore. And they asked how he got there, but Jesus didn't answer the question. Instead, he tells them their true motivations for seeking him out. Leave it to Jesus to know your true motivations for anything. They wanted him because he fed them what they could get out of him. Not because of the under, they understood what happened that he was the Messiah. Not because they understood that that was a sign. You're going to have people who seek you out because you're generous, because you have something they want. These people are takers a lot of times. They don't want you to find Jesus. They want your stuff. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They want what you can give them. You gave once, but that doesn't mean you continue to give until you have nothing left. Jesus didn't feed them again because that is what they were seeking. He tried to give them spiritual things in this encounter, and they rejected him for it. They tried to give them eternal things, and they rejected him for it. When you meet the perceived need of someone for a time, and you try to give them something that's more precious than that temporary thing that you've been giving them, what is that? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they reject you. It hurts. You have to ask yourself, are you becoming the person that they depend on instead of Jesus Christ? Shouldn't they come to a place where they depend on Jesus? Don't let people become dependent on you. Let's find the cause that they are so dependent on you. Number one, do they depend on Jesus to meet their needs? If the answer is yes, then great. We can help them in that seeking if not, why not? Number two, dependence on you can become their drug. That's not good either. Never put more, how do I put it? Never put more work into something than the person who is seeking your help is willing to work. Let's find out where the breakdown has occurred. Let's try to fix it. Do they need you because they refuse to work? Do they need you because they don't know how to budget? Or what is their issue? Why do they need you? Why are they dependent upon you instead of Jesus? If they, number three, if they refuse to depend on Jesus, then you've got to wean them off of you as their source of hope. They need to be looking to Jesus on how to manage their affairs, not you. And our thought, our mantra, so to speak, should be that of John 3.30. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That's where we've broken down. Let that be your focus on all people so that you may serve others and not the same person over and over where you become stuck in a rut. Jesus tells them the only work he wants is for them to believe in the one the Father sent, which is him. The people say, okay, so what sign do you give us for that? Are you kidding me? He just fed over 10,000 people, and you're asking for yet another sign. 
What was wrong with the one that you just got? Is there some reason that you can't comprehend what Jesus is saying to you or what Jesus did for you? Well, they reason that Moses gave them manna from heaven. Again, their focus is not on eternal things. Their focus is on the physical. And that is a lot of our problem in America today. Jesus says, no. I'm not going to give you the physical. I'm going to give you the eternal. I'm going to give you what God the Father wants to give you. And he says, by the way, Moses didn't give you that. And then he starts talking spiritual words about the true bread that comes from heaven. That whoever eats the bread will not go hungry again. So just like a selfish person, and you've met people like that, and maybe you were one of those people before Jesus came into your life. They ask if they can have this bread. You see, they're still thinking in the physical realm again and not the spiritual realm. And Jesus says, no, you got it all wrong. You're wrong. I am the true bread from heaven. He says they don't believe in him. He says you don't believe. Why? Because he knew their hearts. He knew, he knew more about them than they knew about themselves. And he still does today. He knows more about you than you do yourself. Here I am, and here you are, 2,000 years later, and in my flesh I want to say that I would be a believer. I would believe in him if I saw that miracle. Guess what? Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. A lot of y'all are sitting there going, Pastor, if it were me, I wouldn't make that mistake. Guess what? You probably would. You know how I know? Because you're human and I'm human and we still have a sin nature. In other words, you're just as hard-headed as they were. And so am I. John 6.35 And we're going to look at the next five verses. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Oh, you ought to rejoice in that, Christian. Those that the Father has given to Jesus, they're going to come to Him. Not might, not maybe, but they will come to Him. There is a, there's a promise here. There's a promise here. He says He will never reject them. Never. If you would come to Jesus, I mean truly come, he will by no means cast you out. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 through 11, it'll be on the screen. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? 
Jesus is the only good thing that we really need because he'll take care of everything else. If we don't have Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, then anything else you may learn about life or Christianity means nothing. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, what you're doing here today or online, since we have quite a few people who watch online, at least 20 a week, it means nothing. Why? Because without Jesus, you die in your sins. You know, a lot of people ask me, Pastor, what happens when a sinner gets baptized? Real simple. He's dry. He goes under the water. He comes back up. He's now a wet sinner. Okay? That's what happens. There's no identification with Christ. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What else does he say here in our main text? He says that it is the will of God that he lose none of those that are his. None. But will raise them up on the last day. He even emphasizes that. He says it twice. You see in scripture, they didn't have bold and italic and underline. I mean, they could underline, but. They say it multiple times. They emphasize it. You know what that tells me? It tells me that I am bought with the blood of Christ, that I am his lock, stock, and barrel, that he will never lose me, he will never forsake me, that I can never lose my salvation, and that no one can ever take it away, because he loses none that belong to him. Romans 8.38 says this, And I am convinced... That nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question that you got to ask yourself is, when all is said and done, when you come to the end of your life and you look back, will you say, I had encounters with God. I went to church once in a while. Or I went to church faithfully, but I was a selfish person. Why was I so selfish? Maybe, just maybe, it's because you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. As the ladies come. Maybe you need to know Jesus. Whether I'm talking to you by internet, by video, or here. Maybe you need to know Jesus. You know of him, you know about him in the head, but do you understand what it means to make that 18-inch journey from your brain to your heart? And I'm not talking physical, I'm talking spiritual. 
Have you had that encounter with Jesus Christ? You see, a lot of people will tell you, oh, I believe in God. <laughs> you know what it says in the book of James? Even the demons in hell believe there is a God and they tremble. They tremble. That doesn't get you saved. What gets you saved is giving yourself over lock, stock, and barrel to Jesus Christ. That means everything. Your physical, your mental, and your spiritual. Everything. If he asks you to go to Africa, you say, yes, sir, how, how long? If he asks you to sit in the pew and pray, you say, yes, sir, I'll do that. If he asks you to teach a Sunday school, you say, yes, sir. And when he says in the Great Commission, go and make disciples, you say, yes, sir, I'll start with the cashier at Walmart. I'll invite him to know you. And then I'll invite him to church. Because it's not about the church, it's, so to speak, where they go to church. It's about Jesus. What did you do with Jesus when it's all said and done? What did you do with him? Did you give yourself lock, stock, and barrel? Did you witness? Did you say, I don't know where you're at in your life, but let me tell you about Jesus. And you're going to find people that have temporary needs. They have temporal needs, physical needs. We're going to try to meet those needs. But we're not going to forget about Jesus. I've seen too many churches get busy about doing busy things, but they forget about Jesus. We're not going to do that. We're going to remember Jesus. We're going to do what Jesus called us to do. We're going to say, thank you, Jesus. I've seen too many churches who have great food programs. I'm thinking of one right now that's got a great food program. But the people that come never hear the gospel. Not once. They're never talked to about Jesus. They pull up in their car, they get their food, and then they're on their way out. Not once, as Jesus mentioned. That may be efficient to get the food out, but that is insufficient to get the gospel out. Make them park. Make them listen. Let's get busy about God's kingdom work. And not just doing stuff so we can feel better about ourselves. Now, we had a movie night, and it was great. We had 15 people here. That's a lot for us. And it was good. Okay, it was great. Don't get me wrong. We need to have those times of fellowship so that we can be strengthened. But if that's all we do with it, okay, you've gotten strengthened now. I can only imagine is what we watched. What a great movie. But if that's all it is to you is a great movie, 
and you don't say, okay, I've been strengthened in my faith, let me go exercise that faith outside these walls, then we're not doing what God called us to do. We need that strengthening. But if that's all we do with it, it doesn't motivate us to witness. It doesn't motivate us to talk to people about Jesus. What good is it? You get where I'm going? You get where I'm going with that? All right. And here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, you can come to know him today. If you don't know Jesus, you can come to know him today. I can introduce you to him. And if you're saying, what's so great about Jesus? Well, let me tell you. He was born of a virgin, lived 30 years, and then for three more years did signs, wonders, and miracles. Proclaimed himself the Son of God, God incarnate, God in flesh. Died on a cross for your sin and rose again on the third day. That's Jesus. That's the good news, you see, because dying on that cross, he took the sin that you and I owe, okay, on himself. He became the substitutionary sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for you and for me so that you could be seen clean before God, so that you could be a child of God. That's what it's about. And he didn't stay that dead when he died. He rose again. And when he rose again on the third day, he proclaimed victory over death, hell, and the grave. And what did it say in our text? I will raise them up. I will raise them up in the last day. Those that are his will be raised up in the last day. Amen. Will you come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior if you don't know him? If you're within the sound of my voice, if you're with a, watching on a recording, audio, video, doesn't matter. Whether you think I'm full of it, whether you think I'm a hypocrite, whether you think I'm just some blowhard, you are now responsible for what you did or didn't do with Jesus. Because you've heard the gospel. What will you do? Will you receive him into your heart today? Will you say, Jesus, I give all of me so I can get all of you? I will believe. That's the one thing you asked me to do. Will you do that today? If so, I can pray with you and you can receive Christ today. Or if you're within the sound of my voice, you can pray this prayer. And it goes something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Pray, pray it with me if you haven't received Christ. I know that my sin separates me from you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my master. I give all of me. And I receive all of you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Amen. And you know it's not about 
the words so much as the intent of the heart, the intent of the inner man. You could even say, Jesus, help, and you'd be saved. Saved from death, hell, and the grave. For those of us that are Christians, when's the last time you shared Christ with somebody? Somebody you don't really know? Maybe even somebody you do know. When's the last time you can say, I shared the gospel? You could do it in under a minute. Just tell them your story, how you became a Christian. That's all it requires. And be able to, be able to say, Jesus lived 30 years, three years did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on a cross and rose again. As long as they hear that gospel, that he was born of a virgin as well, but as long as he hears that gospel, now they're responsible for what they do with it. When's the last time you shared that with somebody? If we really believe what we believe, that there's a world dying and going to hell, it should motivate us. Let that motivate you today. And always rest in the fact that you know that on the last day, you'll be risen to live with him in eternity. That's forever. If you'd like to have special prayer, we can do that up here. I'll pray with you. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand. He said, if two agree touching anything, I will give it to them. So if you need prayer, we're up here for that. I'm up here for that. If you'd like to join this church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. Miss Joe, as we sing.